The Sacred Changemakers podcast is supported by Coaches Business School, helping the world's most caring coaches build a purpose-driven and profitable business that makes a meaningful impact in our world. Check out their unique frameworks and methods to help you transform and grow your business. Now is the time to build a bridge from what you want in life to include what the world needs. You can do well in business and do good, and together we can make a meaningful difference. Find out more at coachesbusinessschool.com. Hey there, welcome back and welcome to the Sacred Changemakers podcast. Our guest on the podcast today is James Hodges. He's a serial entrepreneur and an investor who graduated from the University of Auckland in New Zealand and also the University of California, Berkeley, with a Bachelor of Commerce. Now, his bold mission is to create the new earth that he defines as a loving, abundant, harmonious world that is fueled by raising consciousness. Now, James is not only talking about this, he's actually living his life, taking real action to make this happen with a market-neutral crypto fund, sustainable tech, and developing community-based land projects. He's the co-founder and general partner at Amphibian Capital. He's also the founder at New Earth Ventures and Next Level Coaches. All of these ventures are either creating a regenerative consciousness, future, or improving the lives of others in some way. Now, James has got over nine years of crypto experience. He's been in personal development for over 14 years now, traveled to 37 countries, and is currently based in Nosara, Costa Rica. Now, I initially invited James onto the podcast because I heard him speak about the times that we're all living through now, and also our future as humans. He talked about the human race, you know, being at a time between stories, how it's time for us to unite, to create the story that we desire for future generations. And as you're going to hear in today's conversation, James is taking a stand for a more conscious, regenerative future, one where we prioritize the well-being of all living beings and the health of those natural systems that actually support us in our lives. His vision includes a world where we use our creativity, our innovation and entrepreneurial spirit to build businesses and communities that are restorative rather than extractive and destructive to enable a more conscious world. So if there's something you're interested in, and perhaps more importantly, you're also interested in the how we can do this, I think you're going to enjoy this conversation with James. So without further ado, let me introduce you to our guest, James Hodges. Hey, James, welcome to the Sacred Changemakers podcast. I'm Thank excited. you. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, I'm excited to talk to you. You have really interesting business kind of opportunities and different things going on. And I know that our audience is just going to love you. And they've just heard your professional bio. But before I go into that, I'd love you to tell us something about the real life human that lies behind the bio. Who is he? Yeah, beautiful. Um, so quick story. I I grew up in New Zealand. Um, when I was 16, I was doing well in school and sports, but I was really awkward. Um, awkward with people, awkward with women. And my friend introduced me to this book called Double Your Dating. And um, <laughs> it was it was like one of those things that just like completely changed my life where 
Um, that got me into the realm of personal development, talked about Tony Robbins, all these other amazing humans. And it also completely blew my mind because I realized everything I thought I knew about the opposite sex was gender <laughs> was completely, uh, completely inaccurate. Um, and so, yeah, that started me on my personal growth journey. And so I've been on that journey ever since um, now 34. So it's been 18 years. And um, yeah, here in Costa Rica, loved to surf, loved to play golf, uh, very clear on my purpose and my mission. And um yeah, love to eat great food and spend time with my beautiful lady. I love that. I was just going to ask you about if you had a lady in your life, because if it was double your dating, of course, I want to know, was that successful? <laughs> yeah, it's been it's been a beautiful journey and it's been a huge part that's like really defined my life and happy to dive in, into that. But um, yeah, I met an amazing Kiwi woman here in Costa Rica. And um, yeah, it's, it's an incredible time. Fabulous. And I love the way that you've kind of doubled down on personal development. You've talked about that rather than business development as the first thing you've talked about, because I do feel that's like the grounding for who we become through our businesses, not just what we do in the world. And yet so much of the conversation is wrapped up in what we do. So what I want to know is, how did you get to doing this very holistic kind of work and this holistic approach to business is kind of I know that's my language I'm putting on it but it's quite unusual when I think about you know other people that are truly successful in business and the way they talk about it. it's different to the way you do yeah so uh, there's kind of a few things I mean it, there's been a pretty wild growth path that's led here like I grew up in New Zealand read that book yeah. uh, when I was 19 I ended up studying abroad at UC Berkeley in 2008 and it was a beautiful time to be studying finance um, because the world financial markets were collapsing around us. Right. And um, and so it kind of like had me thinking even back then, how could these people who are so intelligent not be able to predict this or even fully understand what's happening right now? And so that's always kind of stuck with me. And so over the years, I've been involved in multiple industries. I was in the events industry for five years and then in tech. And then I helped, I started my own company in 2017 and helped around digital marketing with, with coaches and healers. And then uh, in 2021, I started, you know, getting this download for New Earth Ventures. And that was this like cross-cosm of multiple different areas all coming into one fusion. So one was macroeconomics and it was coming back to my Berkeley days and finance days and, you know, being involved in crypto and all these things and just seeing we're in this bubble of everything and we're in this challenging economic environment. Another was just seeing you know, where the world's headed and the different trends and everything from COVID, but also this mass awakening that's happening in humanity. And then the other was just all the different skill sets and things that accumulated along the way. And I kind of put everything together and just tapped into a much higher power and a much higher peace beyond myself and into what humanity really needs. And everything fused together into New Earth Ventures. And now it's all playing together in a really beautiful way. Mm, I love that. You used two words there that I also use in business. One was a download. You said, I got a download. And then the second thing you said was tapping into a spiritual power. Now, here's where I want to dig in with this, because a lot of people in business, mainstream business, feel that, you know, these things, this spirituality, if you like, this calling that I can hear you feel in your life, isn't something that has a place in business. What would you say to that? Complete bullshit. Uh, <laughs> Love it. Why? Well, yeah. 
it just depends where someone is on their spectrum around spirituality, right? Like, okay, you know, if if someone's like earlier in their journey or you know it's not a huge part of who they are, that's fine. Like, it's like, it's like any other part of your personality or whatever you represent. But if you if you feel that there's a higher power beyond just yourself, if it's spirit, if it's source, if it's God, um, the guy or whatever you want to describe describe that as it's very clear that your life works so much easier when you're in alignment with this higher power versus when you're trying to force or do something that's not in full alignment. And so for me, slowing down and getting moving at a pace that's more like the pace of nature than this crazy sporadic pace that the modern world is causing humans to move at. It's so much easier to listen and actually get clear on what's important and what's actually the higher purpose that we're here to play on this planet. And then when we tie our business and everything that we do in alignment with that and with the same frequency with that, all of a sudden, our ability to create and expand can be exponentially greater with much less effort. Like if we're in full presence and full focus and we're in, we're raising money for an entity, we can just fully drop in with someone and connect with them on such a deep level that all of a sudden they don't need to know all the deep diligence details and all the numbers and all these things. They just feel it. Like if we even even scientifically, if we look at how people buy, 50 to 60% comes from emotion, 30, 40% is logic, 10% is urgency. Yet so many people who train in sales that like flip it around with urgency being the most important, then logic, then emotion. And and so if spirituality is something that's super aligned with us and we're doing something that's beyond ourselves, then we need to tap into that. We need to bring bring that into it and and then, of course, we need to understand who our audience is on the other side. And, of course, like sometimes that can alienate people if we go too woo-woo. But mm-hmm. um, having that at like the essence of everything we do is hugely important. And I, and, and I think it just makes so much easier to create in such a bigger, more beautiful way and more fulfilling way. I love that. I do. So you talked about the download for New Earth Ventures. I mean, what, what was the vision that manifested out of that for you? I mean, what is this all about for you? Yeah. So the question is, you know, I would say, and I think most people probably agree with me that the way our society is working right now isn't working very well. Mm. There's a lot of, there's a lot of stress on all of our different systems, whether it's food, whether it's water, whether it's the monetary system, there's just huge, you know, we've got massive geopolitical pressures like across the board. And so um, what if we could have this parallel structure to society that combines ancient wisdom from people like the indigenous with modern technology that allows for a more conscious, more regenerative, more heart open future where people actually care deeply about each other, care deeply about the environment, care deeply about nature and create a much more expansive future that all of our hearts know is possible. Mm. And so that's the vision for new earth ventures and for earth 2.0 is how do we create this conscious regenerative future? And so there's three parts. One is community. No matter what happens with AI, we can't replace community. Two is a regenerative financial model. So how do we have a financial model that can continue to accumulate and grow over time that we can repurpose the profits into the right impact projects? And then three, what are the right impact projects that can have the greatest impact on humanity and help solve existential threats? So um, that's the high-level briefing of what New Earth Ventures is and what it focuses on. 
It's lovely because just, you know, and, and it's so in aligned with some of the work that we talk about a lot in our sacred change makers community is this idea that business is a, uh, the biggest lever that we have for transformation and human evolution and shaping a better future for our world. So totally in alignment there. I think the big question on a lot of, you know, our community members, a lot of them are thought leaders in their own right, but it's always like we have such complexity, such systems in the world today that actually the how piece of doing this is is what's tripping a lot of of corporate organizations particularly up um and you know it's almost like kind of trying to move the titanic in a way uh, even those that would agree with what you're saying that they kind of get stuck on the yeah but what does this mean practically like how can I become part of the solution and not just be part of the problem as an individual, but also with my and through my leadership and my business? I mean, what kind of insights have you gathered on your on your path, James, that you can share with our audience in that space? Yeah, so I think there's like three evolutions. One is the self, one is the community around you, and then one is like the broader world. Mm-hmm. So the first the first step is always like, how can you embody the vision of the world that you want to be and you want to experience and so where are you placing judgment on others where are you wronging others where are you not being fully embodied in your heart where you know what are your shadows what are the areas in you that you haven't dived into you're scared or you're afraid to look at um and then on the flip side like what are your gifts what are the what is the incredible potential that you have that maybe you're not fully living into um you know, where, where are the areas within yourself that you can love yourself more, accept yourself more, realize you're already whole and complete and allow yourself to expand in an even more incredible, amazing human. Uh, then the second piece is like- Well, before you, you move on, can I just ask yeah. you something? Yeah. So I love this because it's it's so true. And it raises for me a question around being human, like yeah. who we think we are as humans and who we think we're not, who we think we are as business leaders and who we think we're not. And it seems to me that we can't get to the your vision unless we kind of rethink what it means to be human. What do you say to that? Yeah, I think, I think this is the most important time in human history right now. I think right. we're seeing this huge divergence between those who are choosing to awaken and, and having their hearts more open and connected into spirituality. And then those who are going into cyborg land, who are going deeper into AI and the metaverse and VR and AR and everything. And so what it, what it truly means to be human is like slowing down mm. and being present and connecting with our hearts and looking into someone's eyes or connecting with nature or connecting with other animals and just truly experiencing this bliss that we have on this planet and that we are so incredibly grateful to experience. Mm. And so just realizing that we're all beings and that we get to experience the magnificence of this planet that we're on. And, you know, technology is amazing. It can enable a lot of amazing things, but also like turning our phone off for a weekend and actually just engaging in presence and being and connecting with oneself as well as the people around us, as well as the environment around us. And that to me is like what it means to be human is to feel all the feels and all the wide range of experiences and to like truly just soak in how lucky we are to be alive and on this planet. And that's what it means to be human. Human to me is not going to the metaverse. And it really is. I mean, what I'm hearing you 
speak to there is 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 kind of rests on an assumption that lies beyond a lot of the labels that we live within you know even like you coming on and saying like I'm a kiwi right that humanness to me there's there's an assumption there from what I heard that you know there's a global sense like we're all in this together we all have one home even though you might be a kiwi and I might be a brit living in america it's the same kind of thing we're kind of beyond the labels it's demanding us to navigate into spaces i think that you know we haven't necessarily been socialized into and almost like we've got to let go of some of that haven't we to actually get there yeah it's a it's a beautiful journey <laughs> I love the way that you're just like, okay, this is just so obvious to me. Right? And I just love the way that it, it's just kind of tripping off your tongue. So take us to number two. If it starts with the self, then for me, you know, that's the beginning of all great and powerful connections and relationships, not just to other people, but to things. But what is number two for you in terms of the evolution? Yeah. And so just the, the final piece on the number one is like, we are the person we've been looking for, right? Yeah. Like there's so much that's placed on looking outside of ourselves like whether it be romantic relationship or whatever it is, yeah. but it's like, we're the person we've been looking for. So um, that's the piece there. And then the second piece is like the community. So how do we interact with the people who are most important around us? Like mm -hmm. what are our relationships like with our spouse or significant others or our brothers or our sisters or our parents or our neighbors or whatever it is? Like, how can we go and create this perfect new world if we can't even do it with the people most closely around us? Right. Mm -hmm. Like, do we shake people's hands or do we hug them? Like, what what is our what is our relationship and how do we how do we connect with people? Mm -hmm. Um, and so what is our what is our relationship with our community? Like, how often are we getting together with community and like breaking bread or you know having food or meals or ecstatic dance or meditating or just hanging out and doing it in a way where it doesn't involve substance, where it doesn't involve alcohol, doesn't involve drugs, whatever it whatever it is. Um, like, what what does that look like? And, and how do we cultivate that sense of like beautiful divine community um, within our own lives? And so both of those get to be super solid um, before we can really think about anything else and then and get into everything else after that. It's so interesting because I've worked with uh, global leaders in many of the iconic brands for uh, decades. And what's interesting is you're coming at this from a very different, it's almost like you're at the other polarity for where from where most of my clients have come from. So they come from, I call it the it space, which is all the stuff out here that I've got to get done today so that I can achieve the vision of the business. And even my personal vision in the world, it's all about the human doing, right? Whereas you're coming from this, from this like inside out, like this is about me first and my becoming, then it's into my relationship and my community. And now I can then be in a place. Is that right? Or have I kind of said that wrong? Yeah. So society like places everything and like a have, a do, and then a be experience. Like mm -hmm. in order for you to feel enough and feel full, you have to have the white picket fence, the house, the car, the relationship, the dog, the right. kids, like whatever it is. And then in order to get those things, you have to do things. And then, and then lastly, once you do those things and you have those things, then you can finally be happy. Like that's the myth that's been told in society. And the truth is like, we all know what it's like when we enter a room and there's someone that we just adore and that we love, like there's just something that we feel about that person. There's just an experience that we feel about that person. Right. And then flip, flip that to like, we walk into a room and then there's someone that we're like, Oh God, like, I don't want to be around that person. Like, <laughs> Like we can, we can feel it. We're beings, we're human beings. Like this isn't yeah. woo woo. This is just like straight up truth. And so 
my experience is that like the external world will manifest based on what's happening within the internal world. And so it all comes down to our way of being and our essence. And then that then dictates like, what do we do? And then, and then that helps us manifest the external world. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm totally in agreement with you. I think, you know, who we are really is, you know, and, and it really dictates everything we do or don't do in the world and also shapes our values and therefore what we value in our life. So I've got to ask this because I get it all the time, which is, so, you know, your vision for a new world or shaping a better future is, is very idealistic, <laughs> right? What do you say to people who think that you're just like lost in some woo-woo idealism and that it could actually never come to pass? Well, I mean, you can come down to Costa Rica and experience it for yourself. So it's not, so it's, actually, <laughs> it's, it's already here. Like it's not some myth, like it's already happening. Um, so that, that would be like the first, the first thing that I would say. And then the second thing I would say is like, if that's what comes up for people, where in their life are they limiting their potential? Like where in their life are they placing limiting beliefs or boundaries on what's possible for them? And, and they are then uh, reflecting that onto someone else yeah. um, because that's a limiting belief that they're having, right? They're projecting, they're projecting that limiting belief. So that would be the first thing that I would say. And then the second thing is like, we can get it, like we can spend the rest of this getting into the weeds of what it looks like and the practicality and like the projects we're working on and like the impact it's having and everything like that. And, you know, this is, we're talking about like shifting human civilization and like, yeah. there'll be a lot that happens in this lifetime, but there'll also be a lot that needs to happen over many lifetimes. And there's also going to be a lot of crazy things that happen in humanity that we have no control over, like wars and other things like that. So it's like, we're very well aware of that, but it's like, let's create this clear vision for the world that we desire to live in and do everything we possibly can to make it happen while also not being naive and also being super empathetic to the to what else is happening in the world. Yeah. So I do want to get into the weeds with you. But before we do, I just want to ask another question. What has this got to do with consciousness? Because that's something that in your writings, you know, as I was looking around online, I was finding that raising consciousness was something that was very important to you in your vision, but also raising the consciousness of humanity. You know, why is this important and what's this got to do with your vision? Well, I think, you know, there's huge trends that are unfolding right now. So from like an astrological perspective, we're entering into the Aquarian age, which is helping humans connect more their hearts and, and awaken. That's kind of like that piece. But on a on a more practical human level, like I think all of us can see this trend that we're seeing towards wellness, health, health and wellness. Mm -hmm. More people are getting into meditation. There's more science that's starting to come up around the benefits of slowing down and meditating or doing breath work or going deeper into their spiritual journey. People's general happiness when they realize they don't actually have to try and control everything. There's actually something bigger that's helping support them. Um, allows people just to relax a lot more and just like have a deeper trust in life and that life's actually working for them and not working against them. And so to me, the importance of consciousness is this awareness. Like the more that if, if we look at existential threats to humanity, some of the biggest existential threats can be solved with high levels of consciousness. So uh, for instance, like consciousness for me is awareness and care. And care. So the more that we raise our consciousness, the more we care about ourselves, the more we care about others, the more we care about the planet, the more that we care about um, animals. And I think we can all agree that we're not exactly living in a very regenerative way as a species right now. And we're definitely taking more than we're giving to the beautiful planet that we've been so blessed to live on. 
And so if we would actually raise our level of consciousness and our awareness and open our hearts and care more about ourselves and each other, one, it would be better for everyone because we care more about each other and love more and experience more love in our life. That's pretty cool. Um, but two, we're going to help accelerate the shift around our relationship with the planet and hopefully still have a planet to live on 100, 200, 300 years from now. Mm-hmm. And then three, things like AI, like if we, one of our biggest focuses is on consciousness research. And so if we can actually have data to show the value of what it means to be human, and we can actually quantify that, then AI is going to program that into what they're doing and realize there's actually a value to humans and not want to go rogue and go and kill out the entire human race. And so there's very deep scientific data around this. And one of my business partners has the world's leading consciousness fund. He also has an AI safety fund. And he wrote a significant white paper on this. Um, he, went, he went to Oxford and he, he wrote a significant white paper on this from his fund around what are existential threats to humanity. Like we, we have, as a species in the next hundred years, there's a one in six chance of a full extinction that we have as a species, like 15 to 20%. That's crazy. And so raising consciousness in his mind is one of the greatest ways that we can help eliminate and reduce that risk and also live a more beautiful life while we're on this planet. Yeah, I love that. So let's get into the weeds. How do we, I mean, what are you doing to build this parallel structure to society that allows your vision to really come into reality? Yeah, so there's so the, the two biggest things that we're personally focused on um, right now is consciousness and, and regenerative living. Mm-hmm. So I talked a little bit about consciousness there and, you know, we can't just be a bunch of hippies living in like a spiritual village and like save the world. Like that's not going to happen. Even if we had like a hundred villages and there's a hundred people each, that's only 10,000 people out of a population of like 8 billion. Right. Right. So every, everything that needs to happen gets to be documented and, and shared. Um, and so, and then also with the consciousness stuff, there's so much different technology that's out there. Like we invest in, in an app called Breathwork. Um, which now has you know over a million downloads. It's the fastest growing breathwork app on the app store. It's had over a billion views on TikTok. And so you're you're targeting like Gen Zs who've been growing up with a phone and having them connect with their breath and slow down and do breathwork. And it's incredible. And so technology allows us to give access to more people to some of these tools that you know I feel really blessed to have experienced. Um, so I can you know be more present, more connected. Um, live a more beautiful life and allow others to do the same wherever they are in the world. And so that's the first piece is just like using technology to help bring ancient wisdom to the masses and to accelerate consciousness so more people open up and care and um, don't necessarily believe in the narratives that we've all been told in terms of society. Um, The next one is how do we actually shift living? So um, what's really interesting, if you look at a lot of like tech companies, right? Like if you look at Apple, these other places, they build all these campuses where they basically designed them so people would never leave. Like you could go do, right? Like your laundry there and there's like swimming pools and there's cafes and there's like massages and there's like everything, right? And then you have COVID that happened. And so now everyone's in isolation. And now you're in this like post-COVID world where working remote is become much more acceptable. And so you've got people leaving cities, moving into countries, coming into nature, starting to spread out more and starting to realize that there's more to just city life basically. And what people are also realizing is the value of human connection. Like when, when we lost a lot of that connection um, in COVID and we were isolated, I think so many people have come out and just realized how amazing and glorious it is to be around other humans and to be in connection with the community. 
Right. And for me, there's nothing more important in the world than family, right? And and community. And I think most of us would agree the same. It's like the people around us that we love and cherish the most is so important. And so there's this new way of living that is shifting. And there's actually a company called Flow um, that Andreessen Horowitz wrote the biggest check they've ever done to from the, he's the former founder of WeWork. They wrote a $350 million check and they're basically attempting to disrupt the world's largest asset class, which is real estate and shift how, how we relate to our ways of living. And so for us, you know, Costa Rica is an incredible country because the locals are very welcoming um, here, but there's also a chance for us to live in, in different ways and live much more in connection with nature, um, much more connection with ourselves, integrate more deeply with the locals, not just be like white colonialists mm-hmm. and, and live in a way that we actually care about um, others, other communities, nature, um, other animals, et cetera. And so looking at, you know, given the environment we're now in, where working remote's now possible, you know, I'm in this beautiful co-working space in Asara, Costa Rica. There's a surf beach, like two minutes away. I surf every morning and I've got, you know, 300 megabyte Wi-Fi, like power doesn't go out. It's incredible. So now there's this different way to like actually live in connection with community and start to be self-sustaining and start to create resilient communities because all of our systems are under pressure and there's a very high probability in the next five to 10 years that we'll see huge blackouts in terms of electricity. We could potentially go back into lockdown, things like climate change, um, or there could be another pandemic. And so being able to, you know, being able to have the ability to grow your own food, to have your own self-sustaining water resources, to have your own energy resources, and to be able to have a net positive impact on how you live your life and actually give back more than you take um, is very interesting. And so, you know, we've got a project about 15 minutes from here that I'm doing with about it's going to be about 10, 10 houses. Um, and so in that, we're all creating a community together that we get to share resources, um, food, water, electricity, and be able to live fully off-grid if, if something happens, uh, but also live in a way that drastically reduces the impact that we have um, on the environment and truly be you know, self-replenishing and self-regenerative. And so that's our first project. But the next project is you know, how do we then raise a large fund that actually focuses on true regeneration. And that's the whole point of why we set up Amphibian Capital, which is our hedge fund, which we repurpose the profits to help raise consciousness, but then also help accelerate the growth of these regenerative projects um, where people can live, they can be in community, they can be in connection, they can be fully self-sustaining and they can start to have less impact on the planet, maybe you know have slightly smaller homes than they have in the US, um, but live in a way that's much more beautiful, much more connected and uh, more resilient, but also more regenerative and start to be an example to inspire more people to do it. And as part of our land fund, we're partnering with a, a, a company in New Zealand or a, a friend in New Zealand who's doing a documentary with, uh, I'm not going to name it now because it's, it's still proprietary, but you would all know who the director is and his wife. Um, and they're doing a documentary on this so we can document the entire process and put on Netflix and show people what's possible in terms of how we live. And even for those who you know aren't able to access a community like this, still be able to grow your own food and, you know, be more self-sustaining, um, I think is really important. Mm. So is this something that you feel has the potential to go mainstream? Well, I think it already is, right? Like consciousness is is going mainstream. Mm-hmm. And so when it comes to consciousness research, which is one of the biggest areas that we help support through our donations with Amphibian Capital, the to me these days, the religion of the mainstream is science right? Like if you can have science to really back something up and specific data, then, um, you know, a lot more people will take notice. And so there's so much data that's coming up, whether it be, yeah, breath work or meditation or all these different tools and strategies and things like that um, that are available. 
um, that's just going to open up the world and the floor for more people to to uh, you know connect in a way that that's a lot more conscious. Um, and so I think that that to me is one big, big piece. And then and then the second piece in terms of the mainstream, like we're not going to have a choice 20, 30 years from now yeah. in terms of how we live. Like we're going to be forced to make changes. And so, you know, if we look at any form of adoption curve, you always have like the early adopters before it starts to go into the mainstream. And so it's really up to us to go and pioneer and create a new way of living. And then for people to come and experience this and come and like feel what it looks like to actually just like hug each other in a way that's like, you know, it doesn't have to be romantic or sexual, but in a way that's just like loving and you just feel that from each other. And then in this beautiful environment and you have this like incredible space, and you're like, wow, this feels so much different than this crazy stressful life I'm used to living. And oh my God, all the people around here are also doing incredibly well in their business. And they're very inspiring because they've taken a look at themselves first before all the busy to-do items they thought that were most important things. And so once you actually come and experience this, and I can share a story of my friend's dad who came here the other day, you realize there is other possibilities and that inspires you to bring that back home and take that wherever you are. And so we're seeing this shifting you know, all over the world. We have a community group um, with all the different land projects in the world that it's happening. And there's like 20 something countries and over hundred projects in that group. And so we're seeing this happening all over the world. And more and more, this will this will shift to the mainstream. And I think more and more people will start connecting more with their food and with nature, and start to become more self sustaining. Particularly as the systems start to break down and um, in the existing system. Yeah, and you know, uh, a, a portion of our audience are actually leaders. Uh, some of them quite senior in in like global organizations, and they're struggling, right? To to get their value set, they're almost like the champion for these kind of messages that you're you're speaking to, um, and bringing that back into like global corporations and trying to kind of turn the ship around. I mean, do you have any advice or insights that you would share um, that can help them? Because they're inside of organizational and sometimes global systems and structures, and potentially not ready to move to Costa Rica, but are trying to kind of align with, say, the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals, trying to change minds, trying to change mindsets and belief structures and values away from the more, more profit, more profit, you know, let's just keep going for more profit at any cost. So they know they're in an organization that's part of the problem, but they don't necessarily know what can they do to make a difference. I mean, what would you say to those people, James? Because you've got some great, you're making some incredibly great points here, but I'm just wondering, like, what's the bridge for these people from their world to yours? Do you have a sense of that? Yeah. Um, so I used to live in London and New York, right? So I've like worked in corporate. I've worked for, right. I, I uh, was at a startup that, sold software to banks of like you know the largest banks in the country so i've spent a lot of time inside of banks and like very large financial institutions so i'm very well aware of what those situations are like so the first thing i'd say is like you know humans don't just have consciousness entities and corporations also have a level of consciousness there's also a level of thinking where they operate and so it all starts with the culture and you know i was having this conversation with stevie my partner the other day where she was saying you know she used to work in corporate in canada and, you know, their idea of culture was an open bar on a Friday night, and, <laughs> right? And so then people would just go and get hammered and drink a huge amount of alcohol and all the partners and all the people would be there and it would almost be this like rite of passage, like the more you could handle your alcohol, the more they could trust you. And then, you know, you're kind of like, that was kind of the 
underbridge of of the societal ranks within the organization that allowed you to like move up the ladder faster. And so there's within organizations there is a level of consciousness, but there's all these like subtle underlying pieces and you know different dynamics that are occurring. And so looking at it from a human perspective, the first thing is like even within your team or however you lead, how do you shift the culture, right? How do you allow people to actually feel something, to realize that they are human and there's something bigger for them besides just a paycheck and doing and doing their tasks. And so whether that's, you know, like the first thing is like, we can't lead from the top down. We need to enroll people and get people to be brought into it. So understanding from the team, if there was like activities that could be done or, you know, rituals or different um, habits that could be done as a team, what would people be open to trying and, and to doing um, outside of an open bar on a Friday night? Mm-hmm. So if there was, would people be willing to try breath work? Like breath work is an incredible community tool. I remember I was back in New Zealand like five years ago and I had my auntie, my mom, uh, my sister and my cousin do it. And then my dad freaked out and ran out the room, which is hilarious, <laughs> like literally. Um, but then it was so beautiful because my cousin just like broke down crying and she was like, there's just not a lot of safe places where we can share. And so creating a culture where it's like we can do breath work and have a shared experience where we actually feel something and then creating a safe container where you don't have to share in front of everyone, but there's like certain people can like go off and share and just like share what their experience was like and start to create a culture where these ideas come possible. And then once they actually shift in terms of their being and what they're feeling, what they're experiencing, then perhaps a brainstorm session can be had about, you know, what is working right now and what could we do differently? And what are the conversations that, uh, challenging to have, but actually aren't being said that are debilitating the impact of the organization or what's happening and stifling the potential possibility of what the team could be creating. Mm-hmm. And so creating an opportunity for people to, and it, it, you know, it could be as simple as yoga too. Like yoga is like very mainstream these days, right? But it's, it's something that could allow people to tap into their awareness and into their consciousness and open their hearts and connect as humans. And then, and then facilitate that along some sort of brainstorm session and realize that we can actually connect as humans without alcohol, without substance. And there is a bigger reason why we're all here. And everyone wants to feel important. Everyone wants to feel significant. Everyone wants to contribute. So how do we create the opportunity for that to happen? I love that. And I think, you know, what you're speaking to there is incredibly valuable. And I love it because it's talking to bringing the humanity back into organizational life in many ways. But there's something else. So what I'm hearing is, you know, it sounds to me like you're an advocate almost for like a grassroots movement. And one of the things that I hear a lot in my work is, you know, what about the power structures at the top? What about the 1% that are in control of everything and have power and are never going to give it up? Like, are we just kind of like, you know, beating at a door that's never going to open? Can we really be hopeful given that we live in such an unequal world and those with the power don't seem to be willing to give it up? in any way and I'm talking particularly here to my experiences in America um, more so than Europe I would say and I don't know Australia and and, uh, New Zealand that well so um, yeah that's where the majority of my work has been and so I just wonder what would you say I mean what bubbles up for you when you hear me speak to that because I know it is a polarity that a lot of our community is kind of kind of grappling with at the moment yeah so um you know, I, I firmly believe within humanity and also just within the universe and the world that we live, 
there's an equal amount of light and there's an equal amount of shadow, right? So it's like, you know, the more that we open and, and fill our light, the more that like our shadows also come to the surface and we need to like be with both, right? And so that also goes to the top and the top 1%. Like I know many, many wealthy people who are incredible human beings and they're so caring and they're so loving. And then I've also met many, many wealthy people who are just kind of people I just would not want to spend any time with, right? And and horrible people. And so so to me, there's both. And so there's, you know, in COVID, we saw so many different conspiracy theories and other stuff come out. And, you know, a bunch of them actually came pretty true. Like you can see that all on Twitter. Um, but there's also, to me, there's also a lot of hope. Um, you know, I do think straight up that as humanity, that a lot of our existing systems are going to collapse and we're going to have a really challenging next five or 10 years. Um, but it also is going to give the opportunity to birth like a new beautiful world that all of our hearts know is possible. And so there's kind of two options. Like one is to stay within the existing system or one is to create a new system. And for me, I'm I'm like, I'm all about building a new system because it's just so much easier and, and more beautiful. Um, but if you choose to stay in the existing system, that's also beautiful. Um, but just realize that like for every you know person who's like controlling and wanting to hold all the power, there's also people who are doing a lot of amazing things. And I actually think those people are actually winning. Like we're seeing so many things coming out right now of truth around all the crazy things that happened in the last few years. And um, I think that light is always going to win. So it may, may be really challenging for humanity over the next five or 10 years. We may see a decrease in population. We may see some really crazy things happen that we don't even think is you know possible in our lifetimes, but I think that's all very possible. But I think overall the light will win and we just need to focus on that and not focus on, on the things that we don't want to focus on. Mm. Now, we began this conversation, James, by talking about your path to personal development, really, and where it all started. Um, so I'd love to kind of bring you back full circle there and ask you, like, what personal insights have you gained on your journey so far? Anything that you can share with our listeners? Yeah, uh, there's been <laughs> there's been many. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I would say the the first the first thing is just like clarity right is like getting clear on why we're here what our vision is what our purpose like like really going into nature or other places and be like what do i actually really genuinely care about like what am i doing here like what is my purpose on this planet um and the way to do that is yeah just slowing down and listening and and being in an environment maybe away from the day to day that allows you to do that um and then over time not, not trying to force it but just allowing it to come through um because eventually it will um, even if it takes time and not getting frustrated if it's taking time. Um, the next one is then just our sense of being like, in order for that to happen, who do we get to be? Like, we don't need to change. We're, we're whole and perfect and complete as we are. We're a masterpiece. But we're also a work in progress at the same time. So what are the pieces in ourself that we haven't accepted? What are the parts of ourselves that we love? What are the parts that we push away? What are the emotions we experience? We don't want to feel, and we try and hide from, and we overcompensate and do other things for and so just like understanding our being and our patterns and like our habits and like what we do and where we self-sabotage and learning to like accept and love those parts of ourselves, because oftentimes that's just a young part of us that didn't get its needs met from the ages of zero to five. Um, that's now just playing out again and again and again. And so just learning to like love and accept that young child. And then once we love and accept it, oftentimes it shifts. And, and so loving those young parts, like for me, huge part of my story has just been worthiness, right? Like that's why I was showing up so much when I was an awkward teenager. Like I didn't believe I was enough. I didn't believe I was worthy. I didn't believe I was lovable. Right. And, and so that, you know, I'm like a type three, like an achiever, like an Enneagram, like always trying to prove and create and do all the stuff just so I can feel enough. Right. Mm -hmm. And so just understanding like 
how we operate and what, you know, what drives us and what are our shadows, but also what are our gifts? What are our lights? Like, what do we have to give to the world? And then where do we get to have support? Like, what are the areas that we're not so good at? Like, like Stevie laughs at me and she's like, yeah, you just don't pay a lot of attention to like cleaning. And I'm like, I'm like, I've got much bigger things to focus on than cleaning. So I'm just going to outsource my cleaning and I'll spend my time doing things that feel more important. (laughs) And it's just like hilarious, you know, noticing that. And so I just don't spend a lot of time cleaning, but I also like don't leave stuff behind. I just don't spend time cleaning. Um, And so I think just getting really real with ourselves and honest and realize that like negative emotions aren't actually that scary if we just sit with them, Um, but they're here for a reason. And then also the more that we can go into our negative emotions, the more we are able to experience the bliss of our positive emotions. Um, that's been really big. And then I think another one is just realizing that like, I call it the choiceless choice. It becomes a certain part in our journey that we realize that like, actually we're not as in control of our life as we think we are. And, you know, whether that's a higher power or source or universal, like whatever it is, or just life in general, um, we're not as in control of life as we think about like, you know, someone really important to us could die the next day or, you know, whatever it is. And so just letting go of these like controlling things of trying to like own and have control over everything. Just when we, when we release a little bit and we let go and we trust and we tap into this higher frequency and we just allow that to come through. Oftentimes the things that we desire just manifest so much easier um so much more blissfully when i was in new york everything was like go 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 i had to control i had to reach out to other people i had to create and now it's like much more the opposite it's like just allowing what's meant to come to me to come to me getting clear on what my truth is like still moving forward with action but also just like allowing attracting allowing things to come to me because i'm worthy of receiving that Mm. so there's a few things that come to mind yeah and that last piece about allowing I think I'm sure it's going to take me a lifetime to finally work out how to really be in flow with that and surrender completely to that. But um, I love that you've brought that up because I actually think it's incredibly important to our journey as change makers as well. So what is it that wants to emerge through you now? Because you sounds like you've got an awful lot going on. But what is it that wants expression, James, that maybe hasn't had expression yet. Like where are you headed with this? Yeah. Things are just moving forward really beautifully. Like the vision that came through two years ago, there's just so much momentum around it. So um, we're just in the final stages of completing our equity round for Infibian Capital. So we're now valued at like 15 million. Um, And that just gives us the resources to grow our team, launch a new fund um, and then grow additional capital. And then the the whole goal with Amphibian Capital is by 2030 to be donating 100 million a year to projects that we care about, as as well as build a model that can be inspired for other funds to go and do the same, so they can also go invest, you know, right. more of their profits into these different projects. So that's that's the biggest uh, time focus for my 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 projects right now. Um, on a, on a personal level, just like continuing to deep, deepen with Stevie, and eventually like create family is really important to me. Um, I think it's just like I see at the start, it all starts with the South and and with community and like really walking the talk. And it's like, what's the point of me building this beautiful new world if I'm not fully living that myself? So that's always, that's always like front and center. Um, completing our project up here and that that'll be complete by the end of next year. Um, it's beautiful designs and we already have the water and the roads and the infrastructure. So now it's about like designing the houses and starting to build them and all the shared infrastructure. 
Um, and then the, the, the last piece that is the really big focus of this year is this regenerative land fund and just getting clear on exactly what it looks like to have a resilient regenerative village and how this can be done in a, in a large scale way. And what are those economies of scale and like infrastructure pieces that we can put in place? So this isn't just a bunch of hippie communes or, you know, whatever it is, but actually like meaningful places that people can come and live and interact with the community and, and raise families and be fully self-sustaining and also show what it looks like to leave less of a footprint on this planet and to inspire others around the world to do the same. And so our goal is to do a 50 to $100 million raise for that fund this year. We've already got a bunch of existing capital um, either committed or interested um, and then start to deploy that next year. And, and that'll be like a five to 10 year kind of time horizon for that fund. Fabulous. Wow. So final question. If there's anything that um, you would like to cover or share with our listeners that we haven't got to, you know, maybe it's some words of wisdom Maybe it's, you know, more from the deep end of your swimming pool. I don't know what it might be, but I'd love you to just share something just to finish off, complete this interview. What's yeah, I think, I think it's like if you're listening, you've come this far and if there's been something in here that's like stuck with you, just taking a time out to truly sit with yourself and saying, what's something inside of me that I know is potentially so much more possible than I'm currently doing? that I can start to take action around. Like whether it be an idea, a side business, how you're showing up in your relationship, how you're showing up with yourself, it's your health, like whatever it is, what's something inside of you that you know you could be playing at a whole other level of possibility around and what's something you can start taking small steps towards that today. Mm-hmm. And so that would that's just what, what came through. Like we all have such an incredible potential and we all have the ability to be so much more present so much more connected so much more happy but also so much more expansive and create while also holding that presence and so that's the invitation that i have for anyone listening thank you james thank you so much i have really enjoyed our conversation today and i just know that our listeners will feel so inspired after hearing you and getting so many insights from your own journey so thank you for everything that you shared today Okay, guys, that's all we have time for today. Thank you so much for listening in. Before we go, I want to remind you that all of the resources and the links for our guests are in the show notes at sacredchangemakers.com. And a big thank you to the members of the Soul Business Academy, who are our podcast sponsors and our extended community, who are helping us make a global impact aligned with the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals. All the impacts are visible on our website. And if you're looking for more soul in your life and business, if you have a sense that maybe you too have a calling, maybe you're here to make a bigger impact or simply connect with others on your change-making journey. If our episode resonated with you today, I hope you'll consider joining us. Again, you can find out more at sacredchangemakers.com. But for now, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for your intention and efforts to make our world a better place. Until next time, lots of love.